right on, King Jesus. No man cannot hinder him. Let's turn to our Lord in prayer. Father, Lord, we come to you right now, God. Truly, Lord, I ask that it be all of you and none of me at this preaching hour. Speak to us, to your people, for your servant is listening. In Jesus' name, Lord, we pray. Amen. Where there is liberty. Continue on from a theme from last week. Free independence. How we are free when we are able to, to depend on our Lord and Savior. I would like to draw our attention to 2 Corinthians, the third chapter. And as you're turning there to deal with liberty, one definition states liberty is the state of being free within society from oppressive restrictions imposed by authority on one's way of life, behavior, or political views. When we talk, celebrated independence, we celebrated liberty, we celebrate that we, we were free from being under the oppression or the restrictions imposed by the Great Britain authority or law. And when we became independent, we became independent of them and we had liberty. Then on the other aspect of liberty, it says that the state of being free within society from oppression, restrictions imposed by authority on one's way of life behavioral or political views. We also state that we have the liberty or free speech and that we can say what we want to say. And definitely the press like that, the paparazzi have the freedom of press. How dare you withhold information? I got the right. So I can stand on your front lawn and take pictures and wait for you to come out and say, hey, uh, what do you think about today? What do you think about today? What do you think about today? And so people want that freedom. Want that freedom. I'm here to argue to the point that freedom does not come from us being free of law and restrictions. But freedom comes when we come under the grace of our Lord and Savior. I want to point out that we want freedoms or liberty to do what we want and say. But God has called us to be set free. To be set free from doing what we want or what we want to say. If we understand liberty or freedom, remember what Jesus said in the garden? Lord, not my will be done, but your will be done. As I think about Jesus, I am remembered that he says who the Son says free is free indeed. So we look into this situation of what freedom, what liberty looks like. It does not look like me acting a fool because I can, but it looks like me being obedient to my father. And so the foolishness of this world has caught us up by being blinded by the enemy. When we look into this text, we're going to see that there's a veil mentioned. A veil mentioned. What does that veil mean? It means something was covered. Something was hidden. And now we are set free when we come into the presence of the Lord. I, I want to lift out to us verses 17 and 18. 
It says in the New Living Translation, For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had their veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. Y'all see that there? One translation says, for the, 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 the Lord is Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And so what I want you to look at, before there was liberty, a veil had to be removed. In order to know what freedom is, you first need to know what the opposite of freedom is. <laughs> to, under, to celebrate being set free, you must understand what it means to be enslaved. To understand what it means to be rich, you probably understand what it means to be poor. To understand to be filled, you must understand what it means to be hungry or empty. You see, so in order to appreciate our liberty and our freedom, we first need to understand what we've been delivered from. The text points out to us that we no longer have a veil. Why, why is that? Why is that? I'm glad you asked us such wonderful questions. Earlier in that chapter, it points out that there's a veil mentioned. This veil covered the face of Moses. It says here that when Moses went to speak to God on, on the mountain, spending those glorious days of 40 days with God, he, the first 40 days wasn't good enough because the people acted a fool. He had to spend 40 more days. So Moses' glorious was just truly overflowing by now. The people were at awe and shocked of, of what Moses was doing, that he covered up his face. And it says here, when he went into the presence of God, he removed the veil. But when he came out of the presence of God and to the people, he put the veil back on. Uh, can I highlight to us how many of us walk up into the house of God, we remove the veil. Oh, Lord, I love you. You're holy and thou. You're good. We walk back out to church. We act like we ain't seen God. Come on, somebody. And, and now catch this. Paul is highlighting Moses put on the veil because the glory on his face was fading. Which symbolizes, too, that the covenant that they had would not last. Pointing out that God says, I know what I'm giving you, but I'm going to have to give you something else that's going to sustain for the long haul. Because if you're going to be set free, indeed, you understand what Jesus says, who the Son sets free. It's free indeed. So they're waiting on the Messiah. They're waiting on the Christ. They're waiting on the anointed one. But right now, all that has been revealed to them is Moses and the law. Now, Paul is pointing out we have the full revelation. We have the full understanding. We have the full truth. And when you have the full truth, then you should know better. You should do better. And so Paul's pointing out, see, look here. There's people still today. He says, still today, in the text, still today, who are still, have veils over their hearts. Uh, can I bring it to 2010? There are still people today that have veils over their hearts. What, what does the veil do? The text suggests that the enemy has allowed the veil come to, to, to hide the truth 
from us. If God is light, the enemy is darkness. If God is good, the enemy is evil. All I'm trying to point out that whatever God is, the enemy is the opposite. And so since therefore God wants us to seek the truth, the enemy wants us to be blind of the truth. If God wants to set you free from sin, the enemy wants to enslave you to sin. And, and that's why we have to remove the veil so we can receive the full truth. Y'all see that? So Paul opens up his argument, says, I want, we are bold. Why are we bold, Paul? He says, first, we don't have a law that is faded. <laughs> Do you see that in the text? And looking at the first verse, are we beginning to praise ourselves again? Are we like others who need to bring you letters of recommendation? Or we ask you to write such letters on the behalf? Surely not. The only letter of recommendation we need is yourselves, your lives, our letter written in our hearts. Everyone can read it and recognize our good work among you. Paul is pointing out that I don't need no other things to build me up. I just need to know the report of the goodness of God. And because of that, Paul is bold of what the goodness that the Lord can do. Aren't you glad that what God gives us, the world can't take away? Do, do, do you grasp that Paul is pointing out that that verse 12 now says, since this new way gives us such confidence, we can be very bold. We are not like Moses who put a veil over his face so that people of Israel would not see the glory, even though it was destined to fade away. Another translation says, that either though it was fading, he's pointing out what Moses had was not going to last. Sometimes we get caught up with, with what God has given us. And we think it's for us. And so we try to hold on to it. And it becomes worthless. It fades away. It loses its value. Let me point out one something to you. For God so loved the world, he what? Gave his only begotten son. We know what love is because somebody gave us love. But when we don't give love back, mm, then we have not fully experienced what love is. And when you're unable to give love back, what's happening? It's fading in you. Think about a car. If you buy you a new car, you never ride it, never drive it, that car is fading right there where it sits. You're going to get tire rot on there. The battery's going to be dead probably have spiders and webs and cobwebs all over the place because it's been stagnant, it's become moving, it has no use. Same thing of, of some fresh meat. You get fresh meat and you're supposed to use it right away, but if you just let it sit there, you're going to start it going to corrode and mold and if you leave it out open, you're going to see maggots all over the place. And you'll be thinking, where did these come from? I still try to figure that out. Where in the world these things come from? But they'll find a way. All I'm trying to point out that with something that is precious and should be used, something else can come and find out how to destroy it. The enemy is seeking whom he may devour. He is trying to bring a veil over us. But Paul is reminding us that we should be bold because what we have is not fading. And then look at this issue of this veil. What does this veil represent? The veil equals bondage. 
the veil is similar to bondage. Veil is sorting out slavery. It shows what is hindering us to, to, to coming to God. The veil represents what's hindering us from coming to God. Look here. Moses, when he went before God, he had to what? Remove the veil. He had to remove anything that was in front of him and, pre- and preventing him from being face to face with God. Think about this for a moment. Don't, don't we in our culture tell somebody when you're talking to them to what? Look at me. How is it you want people to look at you, but when you get to God, you, you can't be nowhere to be found. Uh, come here, Adam. Uh, uh, Adam, uh, where are you, God says? I'm hiding. Why are you hiding? Did you eat from that tree? It wasn't me. It was that woman you gave me. Look into the text here. It says beforehand God would talk to Adam. Sin entered Adam. Sin has now veiled Adam. He can no longer face to face talk to God. Now he's hiding and playing the blame game. When something has separated us from being with God, we have now have a veil. We have something that's binded us, and now we are ashamed of our acts. We try to find somebody else to blame. God always gives accountability. He makes you accountable for what you have done. He dealt with Adam with his sin as he dealt with Eve with her sin. And if you look closely in the text, they all got specific punishments. It wasn't just a general one. Each one was specifically punished for their sins. Do I have some kids in the house that know how sometimes it seems like mom and dad is unfair? (laughs) But you got a specific punishment for your crime. Sam got specific punishment for his crime, but it always was the same. It was a bell to the rear end. But uh, it was specific for his crime. <laughs> and so I knew when my father, my mother would chastise me, I knew what I have done wrong and why they treated me this way. Because I wasn't as easy going as my older sister. She was obedient. Not Sam. I need to hear it three times before I got it right. <laughs> Told somebody else one time they got it right, but not Sam. I'm, I'm still outside doing what I want. See, God. God knows how to deal with his children. And that's why he's sending us to let us know, I've come to remove the veil. I've come to remove the veil. So in the presence of God, Moses had to remove the veil. What about you? When you come before God, have you opened up your heart to God? Jeremiah talks about in the 17th chapter of 9th verse, says, how the heart is deceitful amongst anything. It goes on to later on, so how God searches the heart. He searches the heart and knows your ways, your thoughts. What I'm trying to point out, that, that, that God is, is, is aware of everything that's in your heart. You can fool me, you can fool your friends, but you can never fool God. And so that veil you have been accustomed of wearing, that has concealed sin in your life, matter of fact, it's concealed you so much you became blind of it. Sometimes don't we forget that we even have our glasses on our head? You, look, you looking around the house, trying to find where you put your glasses, and then you stop for a moment, you scratch your head, and say, oh, here they are. It's, so, it's amazing how some things have become so, so complacent to us, we forget that we're doing what we're doing. 
That's the trick of the enemy. You put the veil on for so long, you forget that you're dealing with pride. You're dealing with jealousy. You're dealing with ego. You're dealing with greed. You're dealing with gossip. You're dealing with fornication. You're dealing with addiction to drugs. You forget you're dealing with these things because you've been doing it for so long, it's become commonplace. The enemy has deceived us. But yet, we are, it's highlighting so we no longer need the veil. In order for us to communicate with God. Moses had one with the people removed in the Lord's presence. The veil of the enemy, Paul points out in 2 Corinthians 4, chapter verse 4, says, Even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, in whose, whose case the God of this world has what? Blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. The lies of Satan attempts to stop the gospel. We see it all over this world. I don't have to give you big ex- explanations. Just, you just see it. They try to make you, re- make you reject our God by giving you lies. They say that there's all ways to get to God. I'm just here just going to say this one verse. Jesus said, I am. The way, the truth, and the life. No man can get to the Father but through me. So the lies of the enemy that people go on to say, there's many roads to get to God. God simply point out, Jesus says, this is the way. But the lies of the enemy. Has everybody out there saying, well, if I do this, it's good enough. Nothing in your life will ever be good enough. There's only one way, and that's the gospel message we should boldly proclaim to let everybody know what I'm giving you will not fade, will never lose its power. It has the power to redeem. It has the power to transform. It has the power to, the power to give healing. But yet if we allow the enemy to continue to bring lies and confusing into this place, we will always be weak and impotent and unable able to fight the enemy all we got to do is just look out our window just look out your window of your house i look out and i see kids fighting kids parents yelling at parents children yelling at parents we see it right now the enemy's having his way and the sad thing is this if you go to them i bet you they got a church home And, 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 and truth be told, if you look at ourselves, you probably look to your left, to your right. It might be happening right here. And the thing is, is that if we continue to allow the enemy to let us be complacent with the veil that's in our lives, we will forever have a bondage or something enslaving us and hindering us from really being free. So, so we understand the veil is bondage. So what is liberty? Where there is liberty. In his presence. In his presence. Tell your neighbor, in his presence, there's liberty. Look, look, look closely. He says, for the Lord is spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Psalm 139, point out, God, if I go to the grave, the, you are there. If I am in darkness, you see me as though there is light. 
If I go up to the sky, you are there. If I go as far as east, as far as the west, the setting of the sun to the side, going down to the same. God, you are there. He's basically pointing out, Lord, your spirit is everywhere. Can I, can I drive this on? Remember, uh, somebody, somebody shared this joke with me. They said that they don't, they don't fly airplanes. And, and so he said, why is that? Because said, the Lord says, lo, I am there with you. <laughs> But seriously, Jesus says, lo, I will be with you until the ends of the earth. What he is saying that I will always be with you. Look, look, look at this. Look at this. Look what God told Joshua to remind Joshua. He said, told him, be ye of good courage. Just as I was with Moses, I will be with you. See that presence thing? Look, 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 look how David stood before Goliath. I don't stand here on my own, but I come in the name of the Lord. Look, look how God got them to go around Jericho. They went around and worshiped and magnified God because in his presence. Do you understand? What did they tell us to call Jesus? They, they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Do you see? That's why Jesus says, who the Son sets free is free indeed. Because where there is liberty, where is there is liberty, is his presence. And in his presence, there is liberty. And when we've been set free, we've been set free from the bondage of sin. Can I drive this home? I want you to look at this overall themes within our Bible. We see here in Genesis, God introduces himself. And in, in a letter of introduction, if you go to write to somebody, you write it for a job, right? You put your cover letter on there. Say, hi, I am so-and-so. I'm the best thing since sliced bread. You need to hire me. You know, that's what we put in there in so many terms, right? So you say, we the best thing, so you got to hire us. And in that letter, you give an introduction of who you are. God opened up the Bible for it's an introduction of who he is. In the beginning was God. That's all you need to know, first and foremost. I'm God all by myself. And you wondering about where the sun came from and all this stuff? Look here. It came from me because I made it. Now, why did God have to write a letter of introduction? Well, who did he give this revelation to? Moses. And Moses took these people that were in a foreign land under foreign gods. For so long, they have been reintroduced to the sun god, Ra. You look in your Bible, he does not say God made the sun. He said he made light. Because the word sun was a god name. Oh, y'all didn't hear me. God did not make no little gods. I just get to start thinking about that because there's no other God but our God. And so God is pointing out, look here, I'm supreme. I'm all by myself. And look here, look here. He's giving this to Moses to give to the people so they will know who set them free. Because Moses had to go to Pharaoh and tell him what? Let my people go. And so he went down to Egypt land to tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And God said to let them go so that they can worship me, their God. 
But God realized Moses is going to have a hard problem because he's going to harden Pharaoh's heart because Pharaoh was out of his mind. And so he says, look here, I'm going to do these things so that they will know that I am God. Now, let's look at the Israelites for a moment. They've been in bondage for over 450 years. That's a long time to be enslaved. And they have been complacent and comfortable with how things were. They, they got mad at Moses, not mad at Pharaoh, when he told them to make brick without no straw. They were mad at Moses, not at Pharaoh. I might as well do what Pharaoh got to say. He over us. Moses, you a fool. Why he do this to us? You know, they got upset. Ain't that like us? Somebody tell you right, you'll get mad at them. And let the enemy have his way. Woo, glory be to God. They were so captive and had the veil over and they could not see the light. They were blinded. Blinded from the truth. Look here at, in the enemy. Remember when Moses was born, the enemy said to the Pharaoh, look how the enemy's working here, kill all male children. Why, why, why kill all male children? What, what's up with that? Well, we kill all the male, we take the women for ours. After so many generations, they be Egyptians. That's called genocide, y'all. Wipe them out, y'all. That's what they were trying to do. Let's go back to Genesis. What did God point out to the enemy in Genesis? A male seed will come from the woman's womb to crush your head. The enemy knew when God introduced himself what's going to go on. So he's done all he can to defeat the liberator. He didn't know which male seed was going to come. So every male seed that came, he tried to get. Just look at the text. Look at the text. Cain and Abel came. Look at what he did. He tried to defeat the seed. Says the enemy's right there trying to get you. Trying to get you, Cain. God warned him. Say, look, he's trying to get you. He's trying to get you. Oh, well. We know the story, don't we? Continuing on. Look at this theme here. We see bondage and slavery in Egypt. We see God looking to set them free. But he could not set them free in Egypt because they are in the presence of idol God. He's taking them out of the presence of the idol gods, out of the presence of the bondage and the captives so that they can worship him in the wilderness. Y'all see that? God had a, a plan and a destination. The enemy had the veil over them. Look how the veil went over them. They're in the wilderness. It became hard on them. You know, your journey's never going to be easy. And as a journey got hard on them, they cried out, wasn't it better in Egypt? That's how we are with our veil. We, we start thinking about our sin and say, wasn't that the good old times? Well, you remember when we went out late at night and, whoo, we used to tear up the town. Nobody did it like us. And we told, we told the young folks, oh, you don't know how bad I was. Over there, making good about what was bad in our lives. We make it sound so good that when it does come time for your testimony, they lost. <laughs> Say, you were shouting over how bad you were, but you said, but Jesus changed me. And that's, the end. and that's the end of your story. It should be, I used to be like this, but when I met Jesus. <laughs> but instead, we, I was like this, but I met Jesus. The enemy has tried to cover us from not to be bold about what has set us free. 
So they said it was better back in Egypt. Moses, why you bring us out here to Paris? God is trying to wean us off the things that has bonded us for so long. And the longer we are off it, the stronger we become to resist it. That's why those who suffer addictions have to, they tell you it takes at least about 30 days to break the habit. Why does it take about a month? Because you need that much time of cycling, of, of creating a new habit to replace the old habit. And once you replace the old habit with a new habit, you have a new habit. Look at some habits that he's trying to set us free from. He says here, pray continuously. You should have a habitual prayer life. It should be so habitual to you that you would rather pray than watch your soap operas. You should pray more than you should eat some food. I know I heard somebody on that one. Yeah, I'm going to hurt myself right I need to pray more than I eat some candy. Come on, somebody. So I, I can tell the truth. Come on, somebody. We realize here that if we do not surrender ourselves before the Lord, we continue to let the enemy sneak in somewhere. And so the enemy have them saying it's better here. Look what God did. So I'll send you food from heaven. Ooh. The ravens and birds brought them food in the air. That's some truly meals on wheels. Come on, somebody. You see, but look, look, look where they had this in his presence. While they were in Egypt, they did not have that. But Cassie, I want you to grab something real quick, too. You know, in the play, when they became total darkness, there was still light shining somewhere. Light was where the Hebrews gathered. So they had turned their lives in the midst of darkness towards God. And since they have done so, they let their light shine. You see how Jesus tells us to what be the light of the world, the salt of the earth. You see here, in the enemy's presence, hard for us to honor God. But when we come amongst, you know what Jesus said, where two or three are gathered, surely I'm in the midst, where there's about a thousand, a million of them together in one area. And God truly was in the midst. Y'all see that? So you see that the overarching theme, bondage, Egyptian. God introducing himself, the liberator introduces himself to set the captives free. The captives have something that's always hindering them and stopping them from getting into slavery. In our text, it talks about the veil. It then goes on to say that when we become before God, the veil is removed. Because why? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So when I come before God, every single sin that's wrecking my life, every physical situation that's hindering my process, any other issues or problems on every side, when I come before the Lord, he's letting me know I can set you free. Look, 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 look at the message that he gave to Pharaoh to let my what? People go. Some of us need to look at money. 
and you need to let money go so you can let yourself go. Some of us go to the doctor and let them have control over your life and let them tell you how long you got to live. And they're the, your first source of, 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 of seeking for an answer instead of first going seeking God. Say, Lord, can you heal me? And can you use the doctors involved in this healing? But some of us put the doctors first. And then we say, now I'll turn to God. We need to realize that in our situation that there's only one liberator. And that is God. God can let my mind go. He can let my heart go. He can give me a transformed mind and a renewed heart. He can transform me into being into his glorious image. Look at the text. Doesn't it not say that we are boldly waiting and anticipating as we're becoming in his exact image? I cannot come and be changed until I allow the creator to change me. I will always be in bondage and enslaved as long as I continue to surrender my ways to the wicked schemes of the enemy. But when I turn my life over to Jesus and truly find out who the Son set free is, free indeed, that in his presence I do have liberty, then I realize what liberty is. Liberty is not me doing what I want to do and what I want to say, but liberty is doing what he tells me to do and, doing what he t- and going where he sends me to go. I go where he goes. And where he sends me, and I say what he tells me to say. I'm going to leave you alone about this. Look what Jesus told his disciples. He says, I'm going to leave you, but I'm not going to leave you alone. But I will send you the comforter. And he says that the comforter will give you words to speak before kings for dignitary. He says they will give you the words to say. I want you to, I want you to really grab this, that though physically... You may not be able to see him, but he is physically still present. Let me say that again. I think a few people got, but I want everybody to get it. Physically, you cannot see him, but physically he is present. Because where can I hide from the spirit of the Lord? If I'm in the grave, he's there. If I'm in the sky, he's there. If I'm in the ocean, he's there. If I'm in a dark place, he is there. If I think I'm doing something out at night, he can't see me. He's like light. He is there. I want you to grab here that God is everywhere. So therefore, everywhere I go, I am in his presence. So some of y'all need a a bar from the movie Friday. Debo came up, told him to shut up. He said, I'm quiet, but when he walks away, I'm talking again. (laughs) He says, I got mind control. And some of us need to realize this, that sometimes in our lives, we have no control of what people can say and do against us. But we have control what he can do in us. And those storms may rage and the enemy may come against us. We can truly say that the presence of the Lord is here. We can know that, 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 that sad things happen in our lives. But I can say, Jesus, you are the center of my joy. We know that we do weep, but we know joy comes in the morning. Now, 
I want to add on to this. I know somebody says whenever you wake up, it might be a morning or that next day it might be a morning. I just want to let you know that my morning is this. When I hear that trumpet sound. And truly, and truly, that's all I'll be saying. Wake up, everybody. Come on. Those who are sleeping in Christ, they'll get up. Those who are already alive, they'll be raised up and will be there. You see how the enemy can't stop us? We've been set free. As we go around telling people, I got my rights, you go and tell them, no, the Lord has set me free. I got my rights. I got the right to obey him. I got the right to submit to him. I got the right to surrender to him. I got the right to depend on him. I got the right to keep my mind on him, and he'll keep me in perfect peace. And you see here, that's all because of the glory we have in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ who died on the cross for our sins, he who knew no sin became sin for us. That's the message we ought to be proud of. And, and, they, and they said they found him guilty, but he was not guilty. But you and I, we were guilty. And I'm so glad I was found guilty because I'm guilty of loving my Savior. <laughs> and he has delivered me. And now that he defeated death and rose from the grave, he is now a sin at the right hand of the Father. And while he's there, he's interceding on our behalf. And, 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 and I, know, I know he has these words on his lips because he said, if who the Son sets free is free indeed. So when Sam is acting up and messing the fool, God is God, God hearing from Jesus. He's been set free. <laughs> he's been set free. Let them experience your grace and your mercy. And so how do I see that grace and that mercy? Well, Monday, I'm acting a fool and out of my mind. Tuesday, I still did not repent. I'm still acting a fool and out of my mind. Some years later, I'm still acting a fool and out of my mind. But one day, I turned around and saw grace and mercy that's been following me. And I was brought back to my senses and said, Lord, remove this bondage, this veil that is blinding me. And I surrender to you. Is that somebody's testimony here? That you might have been out of your mind acting a fool. But the Lord is saying, I want to set you free. Just come into my presence and remove what's hindering you. Remove what's hindering you. Where there is liberty. There God is. So if you want to be set free, you need to come into his presence. If you want to be set free, you need to come into his presence. I pray right now that the, the, we allow the Holy Spirit to fill this place, that we will stand in his presence. And may we stand right now. If there's someone here, you just want to be set free. Just come down in this prison. I'm coming down myself because I want to be set free. We, we, for there's none righteous before the Lord. Don't get caught up. I'm holier than that. There's none righteous before the Lord. You might be struggling with something, and you just want God to deliver you from something. Just come before the Lord. We welcome you here in this place. If you want to be set free, in his presence, there is liberty. So somewhere here today, amen. Just come on before we're going to pray. Amen, 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 amen. Let us pray.
Gracious Lord, we stand here, God. Lord, knowing, Lord, that we are sinners in desperate need of your salvation. Father, we know that we are sinners, and even on our best day, Lord, we're still nothing but filthy rags. But, Lord, you call us saints, not because what we have done, but what you did for us way back on Calvary. And, Father, we stand here, Lord, realizing, God, there's things in our lives that we need to let go so you can fully have your way for us, God. You tell us, repent, for the kingdom of God is near. Lord, he even told Peter, he's been with you all this time, that when he messed up, that he should repent and strengthen the brother. Lord, let us have that mind, that when we fall, when we stumble, God, that we get back up. And that, Lord, we will strengthen one another, God, to be the, the children, the brothers, the sisters of God you call us to be, God. Father, we're praying that you would transform our minds right now and renew our spirits, God. Lord, we pray that we no longer have an attitude, God, that we will continue doing the same old things over and over again. But, Lord, we call a stop to it today. And, God, we want to continue to be reminded that we're forever in your presence. And that, Lord, we will fear you and honor you by being obedient to you, God. Lord, we thank you that who the sun sets free is free indeed. And, Lord, we thank you, Lord, that in your presence there is liberty. And so, Father, we stand here now knowing that we've been set free. We stand here now knowing, Lord, we've been liberated. That the enemy has no strong, no foothold on here, oh God. But we will stand in the power of your might, God. That our weaponry is not carnal, God, but mighty in the power, God. That we can tear down all strongholds and bring them under subjection of Jesus Christ. Lord, we stand here in your name and in your power, truly believing and knowing no weapon formed against us shall prosper. But God, we will boldly claim and walk to realize greater is he that's in us than he that is in the world. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. So, Father, we stand here right now in your freedom and your liberty to walk in your grace and in your mercy. In Jesus' name, Lord, we pray. Amen.